Manny. No, no, originally from upstate New York. Cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we live in North Miami Beach, so I moved here six years ago, seven years ago, maybe eight, I don't know. <laughs> I started to lose track already. So, okay, all right, let's get started. First off, Mrs. Sipan, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. For, for hosting, for hosting this year, giving the opportunity that we could all come and learn together, Bezus Hashem grow together, and it should be a zuchus, the inspiration that we uh, that we have, the the knowledge that we learn, the inspiration, the growth should should be a zuchus for ourselves and for our children, especially for their for their growth, for their learning. So can, this can we sorry can we dedicate the evening absolutely Henya. Bas Bracha Leia Chibirafu Shalema. Bas Devoralea. Henya Bas Devoralea Chibirafu Shalema. Amen. And for Rivka Bas Nechamadina. Rivka Bas Nechamadina. Okay. And Ron Ruven Sara. Okay. Amen. Chibirafu Shalema for everybody. So the, the title of the series, so we're doing a two-part two part series. The title is Building Our Children's Self-Esteem. Now, I didn't put the parentheses on the flyer, although I should have, but that's also a very important one. And our own self-esteem, which is really probably the crux of what we're going to talk about tonight. But this class, um, we titled Self-Esteem, The Key to Navigating Our Lives. Okay, And this topic is like so critical so huge, and I'm going to be perfectly honest and blunt. I am not in any way an expert on this topic. I don't want to. I don't want anyone to think I am or to claim I'm not an expert. But I just felt that this is something that, like, we talk so much about it. The experts do talk so much about it. The gedolim talk about it. The svarim talk about it. And I thought. This is, a, this is an area that I personally wanted to, to research, to look into more, because I got this sense that, like, just from what I've heard and what I've seen quoted in Svarim over the years, that this is something that's really critical. And I started doing the research and started realizing how really, really super critical this is for ourselves, for our children, for our lives. Um, you know, Rabbi Dr. Tversky... Oliver Shalom, who passed away not too long ago, so, so he had said that, he said that people often would ask him, they said, how did you possibly have time to write 36 books in your lifetime? Okay, here's one of them right over here. And I used, I used this book, Angels Don't Leave Footprints. Fantastic, fantastic book. This is one of his, one of the later ones, I believe, um, that he wrote. But um, so, so they asked, they said, how did you have time, 36 books in your lifetime? So he answered, he said, I didn't write 36 books. He said, I wrote one book 36 different ways. <laughs> and he said that the, the idea behind every single one of his books is growth in self-esteem, building our self-esteem. He just wrote it different ways, and some of them are more for the secular world, some of them more for the firm world, some of them hit different angles. But the point of the matter is one thing, building our self-esteem, because he said that it's absolutely, it's absolutely critical. And he, he said a line like this. He said that I believe that virtually all problems besides for those that are that are chemical issues that people have chemical imbalances but besides for that all problems can invariably be traced to low self-esteem this is what rabbi tursky wrote rabbi dr tursky so so we're going to open up with a uh, we're going to open up with a quote over here on your sheet number one there's a quote that i saw it's quoted in the name of reb Sadok. we're going to read it it's a one-line piece but here's what we're going to do we're going to read this one line and i saw an incredible explanation of this line, but I'm not going to tell you the explanation. 
I'm not going to tell it to you right away. I want to leave it open. We'll read the line. I want just to, to hear if people have any thoughts as to what this line is teaching us. So Reb Sadok says like this, Kishem adam lahamin The same way that a person needs to believe in Hashem, so too, so too, a person needs afterwards, so too afterwards, a person needs to believe in himself. The same way that a person needs to believe in Hashem, so too a person needs to believe in himself. Now it sounds like a great like poetic line, but what like what's he saying? What's he teaching me? What's he teaching me? Same way that I need to believe in Hashem. I mean, obviously, I need to believe in Hashem. That's a given. But we need to believe that we are a special creation. Okay. 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 That we're, uh, okay. I like that. That we're a special creation, right? The same way you need to believe in Hashem, we, we have Hashem inside of us and we have to believe in that. Also a beautiful shot, right? That, that the same way that we're all made up spiritually, we all have a neshama and we're all made up as a part of Hashem. So we have to believe in that part because that is a part of Hashem. Also very nice. Also maybe our actions. So it says a charkach. So after you believe that Hashem is the koyachal and you know He can do anything, you have to have confidence afterwards in yourself that you can put into fruition. <coughs> very nice. Very nice. Right? Also, also beautiful, right? Once, once you know that Hashem can do everything, so, so too you should be able to believe in yourself that you too can do it. Beautiful. So the, the explanation that I saw, and it comes from this Sefer. I found this Sefer years ago. I think it was in Eretz Yisrael. I don't remember if somebody recommended that I buy it or I just saw it on the shelf. A friend of mine and I, we bought it together. We both bought the Sefer and we're still, we're, we're in touch very often with preparing Shurim. He lives in LA and it's called Kavod Atmi. and this Sefer goes through. It's so beautiful. I, I don't know exactly who the author is, but he writes, I don't know exactly what his name is, but either ways, he put together this whole compilation of various sources from the Torah that talk about contemporary sources, earlier sources that talk about self-esteem, that talk about this concept, and put it all together in one beautiful sefer. And he quotes this, this quote of Reb Tzadok, and he says the following, which kind of puts together a lot of what was just said. He says, the same way that a person needs to believe in Hashem, that means that the same way that we have to understand that, and we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a perfect world. Everything in the world is perfect. It works to perfection, Right? between the trees and the birds and the animals and the people and how our hearts are always beating and the fact that we're able to breathe and the oxygen, everything, everything's perfect. The world is perfect. The same way that a person needs to believe in Hashem that the world is so perfect, they also need to believe in, in themselves that they're perfect. Because if HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and this is putting together everything that was said here, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who made a world that's so perfect, and you look around, and everything in the world works to perfection. So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made me too. And if HaKadosh Baruch Hu made me too, so then I'm also perfect. And I also have a lot to offer. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu made me in the proper way. HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't make me defective. Oh, I'm defective, but everything else in the world is perfect? That sounds funny, <laughs> right? That doesn't make any sense. No, I'm also perfect. I'm also perfect. 
The same way Akash Baruch Hu created the world perfect, I'm also perfect, and that means that I have, I have what to offer the world. Rabbi Dr. Tversky defines self-esteem with the following, and I put it on the sheet here as well. He says that self-esteem is a feeling, an attitude a person has about himself. It is primarily comprised of two components, competence and self-worth. Having self-esteem means that a person feels that he has the wherewithal to deal with life. He has an inherent ability to think, learn, make decisions, and cope with whatever life presents him. That's the definition of self-esteem. Then he continues, he defines what's low self-esteem. It means that a person has negative feelings about himself that are not warranted by fact. A bright person might think of herself as being dull. An agile person might think of himself as being awkward. A charismatic person may think of himself as a bore. I have certain characteristics about me, certain talents, certain pieces of my personality that are very real and very positive. But a person with low self-esteem is going to think negatively about themselves, is going to think that they don't have that. Okay, So a person who's, who's, who's beautiful may think that they're not. A person who's very talented in a certain area, what do you say, a person who's charismatic? No, I'm not. I'm a boring person. So now, one may say, okay, so, but what's the big deal? All right, so let's say that's what they think. Okay, so what's the problem? So listen to what he says. I didn't put this on the sheet, but he said the following thing. Rabbi Tversky also said this. He said, the reason that these unjustified feelings create so much havoc is simple. He said, a person can adjust well to reality only if he has an accurate perception of reality. If a person spends lavishly, because he thinks he has millions of dollars while he, is, while he is in fact impoverished, he is certain to get into deep trouble, right? We all know that, right? A person spends tons of money, right? But they don't really have it. That's a big problem. Every person is a major part of his own reality. If a person has a negative perception of himself, he's going to adjust to life according to this incorrect self-assessment. His grasp of reality is flawed, and his adjustment to life will suffer. Powerful words. Powerful words. This person is not going to be able to relate to life properly. It's not just that they're, well, you know what? I have certain tools, but I'm not using them. That's typically what we think. When a person has low self-esteem or they don't utilize the talents that they have, people think, well, you know what? Okay, so they, they're not utilizing. Okay, so they're not using that part of them. No, 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 it's much worse. It's much worse, <laughs> says Dr. Tversky. He's saying that their whole reality is, is, is messed up. Their whole reality is twisted. They have a twisted view of the world because they think that they are a certain way and they're really not. And therefore, they're going to see the world through those glasses, through that perception. Okay, Like the individual who's really poor, but he thinks he has a lot of money and he starts spending a lot of money. That creates a lot of problems. There's a story told of, I heard this from Rabbi Shapiro a number of years ago, beautiful story, um, that Rav Chaim Kreisworth, one of the Gedolim of the last generation, so he was in the Holocaust, and he survived the Holocaust, and he made a friend in the concentration camps. And this fellow had been extremely wealthy. Um, and, uh, but, you know, in the concentration camps, obviously, what use is the, uh, is the money? But um, after some time, this fellow felt that his death was coming close. He felt like the Nazis were going to be pulling him out. He was very nervous for his death. And he told her of Kreisworth, he said, you know, I have a lot of money, pretty much all my money is in several Swiss bank accounts. And the bank account numbers are here. And if I die, if I'm killed by the Nazis, then my kids are never going to be able to get a hold of those bank accounts. So what I want you to do, you're my friend, can I please give you 
the paper with the bank accounts. And if I don't survive the war, but you survive the war, if you could please try to find my family and give them the bank accounts so that they could, they could have the wealth, so it doesn't go to waste. And Rav Kreisler said, of course. He kept the paper in his pocket. Unfortunately, not too long after, this fellow was killed by the Nazis. And Rav Kreisler survived the war. And after liberation, he went back to the town with this piece of paper, and he was trying to find this guy. And not to find this guy, to find this guy's family, his children. But he was asking, he was asking, he couldn't find them, he couldn't locate them. And years went by, and he always kept a piece of paper of Chrysler. 20 years. 20 years? Is that what it was? 20 years? Until, okay, you know the story. It's a beautiful, it's a beauty of a story. And he, and he ends up, 20 years later, right, in some shul, visiting in some town, and there was this beggar who came in collecting, knock on the door. So I heard, okay, right, either way, he come and knock on the door and asking for money. And Rav Kreisworth said that this is, uh, you know, and he gave him some money, and then the next day again, same thing. And the fellow was so impoverished that he asked the Gabai, and the community said, who's this fellow? He said, oh, he, this guy, he's never had any success. He's tried different things in his Parnassa, he's tried different things to make money, different careers, never was successful. And Rav Kreisworth went over to him, and he felt so bad, and he asked him his name, and he, he told him his name. And it turned out that his name was the same last name as the fellow in the war. And when asking and verifying, it turned out that he was his son. And he, and he said to this fellow, you think that you're poor. You've been living the last, who knows how many years, impoverished. You've actually been rich beyond belief. You are so wealthy. You are so incredibly wealthy. You just didn't know about it. You just didn't realize. And when Rav Kreisworth, he would go around speaking, and he would say over this story, he would say it over with the following nimshal, saying that, that's often what life is like when a person just lives their life not realizing what they really have. Now, he would make the application to the fact that we have the ability to achieve in Torah and mitzvahs, and we're going to talk about that <laughs> shortly. But it as well applies to this one. A person has certain talents. A person has certain abilities, which we all do. So, so then if, if a person lives their life without utilizing it, it's, a, it's, it, it's an incredibly terrible thing. This person thinks he's, he's, thinks he's impoverished, but he's really not. He's really not. And, and it goes to waste. And, uh, you know, all that's good there goes to waste. But again, the, his reality is totally off. And this is even true, Dr. Chorsky writes, that this is even true if a person is successful in life. If a person, he said that he, he was talking about a certain client, client who came to him, a very prominent attorney who was referred to him. And... He said that the attorney was not, only, was not only successful professionally, he was also a community leader. He got tons of awards. And he said to Dr. Tversky, Rabbi Tversky, the following. He said, Doctor, if you come into my house, I have a room full of trophies and awards, but it all means nothing to me. Neither his professional success nor his recognition by the community had changed the low self-esteem that had plagued him since childhood. So this guy, he was successful. He literally was successful. But... He couldn't, he couldn't appreciate it. He couldn't value it because he was plagued with this concept of low self-esteem. Yes. Sure. Um, so you mentioned that uh, someone needs to feel, you know, perfection, like perfect, like a shell. But the thing is that we need to be careful mm-hmm. not to get to arrogance. <clears throat> 100%. Right. 100%. Us. 100%. So... Do teach us to be... To, to think this way, correct. It's very dangerous. 
Right. hundred percent. It's a great question. The question is, right, that when a person that we know we're supposed to, the, we know that the worst, I'll, I'll just add on to your question a little bit, we know that the worst midah, the Orch HaSadikim says, the worst midah that we have is ga'ava, right? Feeling haughty. So doesn't self-esteem promote that? So the reality is, and this, this question and this answer is a whole sheer in and of itself, but to answer just briefly, the basic idea is like this, that self-esteem and gava are two totally different things, okay? We promote self-esteem and we promote anava, humility, against gava, right? Gaiva means when a person feels haughty, that means that they think that I, kochi v'otzem yadi, I have accomplished. I'm so great because of my accomplishments. Look at, look at how great I am. Look at how much I've accomplished, right? And without recognizing that it's really ultimately coming from Hashem, okay? And in turn, they put themselves over other people because look, look at how great I am. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. Self-esteem, self-esteem is a real recognition of the truth of who I am and what God has given me. And viewing it through the glasses of this is the talents that I have are real talents. I have talents and I do have talents. They're legit talents. And those talents were given to me by Hashem in order for me to utilize and in order for me to, uh, you know, to be, uh, you know, to be successful in the world and to be able to help out others. But I recognize that it's not, they're not my talents. They're not me. I mean, they are my talents, but they're not because of me. They're, they were given to me from Hashem. Okay, so that's, that's the basic you know, difference. Again, it's a, big, uh, it's a very big conversation, okay? Uh, but Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Moshe Rabbeinu was the most humble of all people. Yet Moshe Rabbeinu knew and he understood he was the best leader. He was able to stand up against the people. He was able to tell them if they're wrong. He was able to stand up because he understood the talents that Hashem gave him. He understood his potential, but he knew that it's all coming from Hashem, Okay. And, and once, once we're, we're talking about Hashem, bringing Hashem into the picture, picture self-esteem is not just a, a topic, you know, in the secular world, okay? And it's not just when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to achievements through, quote-unquote, the regular, regular life, so to speak, okay? In Ruchnius, in our spirituality, it is so, it is so critical, it is so important, okay? Revolbi writes, and it's number three over here on your sheet, and we'll read in English uh, for, the, for the interest of time. Revolbi, Rav Shlomo Volbi was one of the great Gedolim of Musar in the last generation. And he says like this. He says, it, it says that Revolbi establishes that the cornerstone for one's personal spiritual growth. Now, this is not an exact translation. I got this from an article um, and I didn't have time to actually translate it from the Sefer. So I just took the excerpt from the article. <laughs> so just so you know, but he's just paraphrasing it. But he says that the cornerstone for one's personal spiritual growth is the recognition of the inherent elevated nature of a person and of his own personal importance, not in the narcissistic sense. But, the, but having a real recognition, if you want a person's spiritual growth, we're not talking about just regular living, okay, you know, for, 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 the, uh, for the common folk, okay, for Jews, for religious Jews, right, to be able to fulfill spiritually, a ruchnius, the, uh, the cornerstone is the recognition of the inherent, inherent elevated nature. Somebody who tortures himself by only thinking about his deficiencies warns Revolbi will sink into hopelessness and will eventually and will eventually make peace with the negative in himself because he will feel hopeless to ever change it. If a person doesn't have a very real recognition of who they are, a very real recognition of 
what it is that Hashem has given them, having appropriate self-esteem, okay, and how it is that, you know, what it is that Hashem has given me, how it is that I'm viewed in the eyes of Hashem. Without that, a person's not going to be able to be successful in the Ruchnias. A person's not going to be able to, to properly understand what their, what their Avodas Hashem is and what their mission is. Now, why is that? So here's what we're going to be getting into, okay? We're going to be getting into several different reasons why. I'm going to talk about several different reasons why um, what self-esteem does to us, why it's so negative, what exactly happens when a person feels low self-esteem, okay? What exactly takes place inside of them? And hopefully, we won't be totally negative. <laughs> we won't be totally negative tonight. Hopefully, the next part will then be what we're going to try to give, give ideas for us to be able to grow in our own self-esteem and to help our kids grow in our self-esteem. But, um, but the, the basic idea starts with Shaul HaMelech. Okay, Shaul HaMelech, um, the, uh, in Shmuel Aleph, it tells us that Shaul, that Shaul was commanded by Hashem to go, he was commanded by Hashem to go wipe out all of Amalek, okay? And go wipe them out, kill everybody, kill all the men, the children, the animals, everybody, everybody. Now, Shaul, because of some pressure, Shaul decided, and he had, he had a certain compassion. Shaul was a great, great, great Godel, greater than we could ever imagine, and because of a certain compassion that he had and because of how, uh, you know, what other people felt, etc., he decided to spare the king, king, king of Agag over there, and he decided to spare, you know, a bunch of the animals um, that existed, okay? Because they were very good animals, whatever it is. Now, again, Shaul HaMelech was on a tremendously high level, and it's a very difficult thing. We can't judge if we were in the same situation. Who knows what would happen, right? But... Shaul HaMelech did on some level he erred because he didn't listen to the command. The command was wipe out everybody. And he left over the king and he left over the animals. But listen to what Shmuel HaNavi tells him. There's a bunch of psukim. Shmuel HaNavi tells him a whole bunch of things. But one of the psukim, he says like this. Vayomer Shmuel, halo im katan ata It's number four on the sheet. Ro shifte Yisrael ata. Vayim shachacha Hashem HaMelech HaYisrael. Shmuel said that you may look small to yourself. You may look small to yourself, but you are the head of the tribes of Kal Yisrael. What? You have a mission. You have a mission. Hashem anointed you to be the king of Kal Yisrael. You have a mission. But you may look small to yourself. Now this beautiful Savior, Kavad Atzmi, he explains this line so beautifully. He says, what was he saying, Shmuel? He's telling him that you look small to yourself. He was tell- Shmuel was telling Shaul that on some level, Shmuel saw right through it. That on some level, you know where this is coming from? The fact that you made this mistake, the fact that you erred? It's coming from the fact that deep down, in some slight way, you feel a certain sense, a certain low self-esteem, a certain lacking, something low about yourself. And in turn, you, you are so like taken by, what, by the perception of other people, by what they think, by the social pressure of what other people think, and you're nervous that if I make this decision to, to actually kill him, to really do the right thing, then other people are going to think negatively of me. So in turn, you made this decision because of this certain sense inside of you that you felt the certain lack, the certain lack about yourself. And therefore, you are totally, like, not totally, totally is a strong word, but therefore, your decision was based on other people. Your decision was really not based on yourself. And that's what, he was, that's what he was telling him. 
Don't you realize you're the king of Kali Yisrael? Roshifte Yisrael Ata, you have a mission, like you said, and you have to fulfill that mission. You can't just subject yourself to the, your feelings of low self-esteem. Now, again, we're talking about Shul. We're talking about Shul. So it was very, very, very minor and slight. But that feeling was there. That feeling is there. And the way that he explains it in the Sefer Kavadatsmi, and this is really issue number one. And if you look to your other sheet for a moment, I put over here, put down just some issues that are created by low self-esteem. And these are some. I should have written some because there's probably a whole laundry list, right? Could probably write books, okay? And if we would talk about all of them, then we'll be here till next Wednesday, okay? <laughs> when we'll have the shear over at Mrs. Ness's house, right? Then we'll just move over there next Wednesday. Till, be, be here until then. But the first thing is, the first issue is that an individual with low self-esteem, their decisions are based on what other people feel. And we see this by Shaul, and this is a reality, okay? When it comes to low self-esteem, it causes us to make decisions based on what other people are feeling. So in turn, a person can't, isn't really living their life based on their own decisions. I made a decision to do something, and then I go do it. No, that's not what's happening. What's happening is that their decisions, their decisions are happening only because of what somebody else is thinking, and because of what they perceive that somebody else is going to think about their decision. And in turn, this individual may do certain things that they don't really want to do, may do certain things that aren't necessarily the right thing, like we see by Shaul. But as well, this may cause a person, and this is, I dare say, may even be more dangerous, I don't know, but may cause a person to not do certain things because of what other people think. Even though objectively it might be right, it might be the right thing for me to do, it might make sense for me to do X, Y, and Z, but since other people are going to view me negatively, so I'm not going to do it because of the low self-esteem. And Shalom was mentioned, it was mentioned that he was Nechbayla Kelim. Yeah. At the beginning. So let me add a little bit lack of the what? Oh, so you're saying maybe that's what that was even uh, even back then? Maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't know. I hear it could be. It could be. Could be. It was. It could was right. It could be. It was built in. I mean, if it was there, if it was there at this point in time, so then it could be that it was uh, you know there throughout. But this idea that it causes us, and this is the first thing that we have to be careful of. Okay, point number two, okay, as far as issues created by low self-esteem, that a person, a person will hold back, a person may hold back from accomplishing. What does that mean? That if a person doesn't value themselves, so then they're going to hold back from doing things because they think that they're not going to have hatzlacha. They think that they're not going to have success in this particular area. They think, I'm not going to be able to complete what it is that I want to do. How many people have great business ideas, okay, but don't necessarily pursue it? Why? Now, listen, if they don't pursue it because they don't have the resources, I get it. If they don't pursue it because they don't have the time, I also get it. But how many people don't pursue their dream or don't pursue their particular business goal or don't pursue it because in their mind they think, ah, I'm not going to be successful. I'm not going to be successful. Now, again, a person, it could be that a person really won't be successful. <laughs> you know, I mean, if a person tries to take their bicycle and uh, take it up to Mars, they're not going to be successful, right? 
But, it, you know, so a person has to, has to ask and understand. But a person can have very realistic goals, very realistic goals. And, 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 and I'm not talking about necessarily even the biggest dreams in life, but just day-to-day things. I want to accomplish a certain thing, but you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not even going to try to do it because I know deep down that I'm not going to be successful. And what's going to happen when I'm not successful? Oh, then I'm going to feel worse about myself. And that makes the self-esteem even worse. Right? And it creates this vicious cycle. If a person, if a person feels, if a person feels that, that, that I'm not going to be successful at this particular thing I'm trying to, and then they try to do it, and then they're really not successful. So that just hurts their self-esteem even more. But why weren't they successful? The reason that they weren't successful because they did it to themselves. They didn't believe in themselves, right? Right? And it became, a, it became what's called the self-fulfilling prophecy. He talks about this, Rabbi Torsky talks about this uh, at length, how it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You, you felt that you're not going to have Hatzlacha, it's not going to work, and therefore, since it's not going to work, you didn't put your all into it because you didn't think you're going fi- to you didn't think you're going to succeed. In turn, you didn't succeed. Why? Because you didn't put your all into it, <laughs> right? It's a it's a crazy cycle. It's a crazy cycle of what happens. Now, sometimes, what's interesting is that sometimes low self esteem can manifest itself in a different way as well. Can manifest itself in the opposite way, which gets us to number three. That a person can actually have low self-esteem can cause them to have over-perfection. I made up that term. I made that up. <laughs> I have no idea if that's proper English or not. That, that, that's on the record, okay? Over-perfection. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Absolutely, absolutely. So basically like this, when a person, if a person has low self-esteem, okay, and they're lacking in that, so then what happens is like this, then they feel... They feel that in order for me to, to be successful at anything, I have to accomplish it in the fullest way. Because if I don't, because if I don't accomplish it in the fullest way, so then people are going to view me negatively. Now again, all that is in their brain, but they view their actions, they view their actions, their business, their thing that they do as a... Uh, as a direct outcome of who they are. And it has a direct display of who they are. So therefore, if this thing that I did doesn't come out to be perfect, then people will think low of me. Okay, because again, now, right? People are now going to think low of me because this that I was trying to accomplish, it didn't come out to be perfect. Okay, so now where is that coming from? It's all coming from the low self-esteem. Perfection. Yeah. Perfectionist. Yes. And you believe on that, and you don't, you don't think about what people are going to think. You believe it's you. So it's not, it's, it's also connected to Oh, that. so no, no, no. So 100%, 100%. You are, are all perfectionists, yes. low self-esteem, you're asking? Right. No, no, not necessarily. Right. I understand the question, right? All perfectionists, no, not necessarily. And in fact, Shlemus, right? And when, uh, when he, I, I forget if it was here or Revolbi, either ways. One of the sources that brings this down says, asks this as a question, says like, what do you mean? Like, Shlemus, trying to be perfect, is, is a good thing when it comes to Yiddishkeit. That's true. But it all depends on what it is that a person is trying to become, to become Shalem and to become perfect at. 
Okay. Also, how do you feel if you fail, right? Yeah. Meaning if you fail and then now you've lost that sense of self, that's, you're not really, you know, right. then you're not like connected to Hashem in that way. It's like, I tried my best and now right. that's it. But right. if you feel like it didn't come, it's not perfect and now my worth is gone. No, it's, it's not yeah. Right. Right. That's an indicative, right? If you if you now feel that I didn't accomplish in the end, right? So that's indicative that that's where it was coming from. That it was coming from a low self esteem. Right. Exactly, exactly. It's also a matter of where where a person puts their perfection. If a person is a perfectionist in every single thing in life, even the things that are so to speak like not as important, so that may be a little bit more indicating, you know, towards the low self esteem. Because why are you so focused on this? Like, in other words, if a person is a perfectionist in their learning, so to speak, in their Torah, in their, their chesed, okay, so I could hear that that's because they really want to accomplish in a big way, okay? They really, they really do. They really do. Um, if a person is a perfectionist that, you know, my neighbor needs help and my neighbor needs assistance and I really want to be a perfectionist to help them to the best that I can, that's beautiful. If a person is a perfectionist, though, in like their, uh, you know, their silly little drawings that they do that, that, that aren't, uh, you know, that, that have no meaning, okay, so then like, why? Why? What is, what, what, you have, a person has to ask themselves, why? Why am I looking to be perfect in this area? Yeah. But it's also because it reflects to themselves a per, an image that corresponds to their self-esteem. And I have a question for you. Yeah. Why would it be good to be perfectionist? In your, 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 in and in your, in your, in your, in Rabbi Kanievsky, for instance. You know what I mean? Ah, okay, I understand. Sometimes I feel, I don't know if it's true, but that being a perfectionist in that might actually take away from who you really are and bring you in a place where you should maybe not be and it could hurt you. 100%. No? Yes. But it's kind of like, sorry. No, no, please. I feel like that's exactly why I forgot what the source was, but, but like... Um, I guess it was the Ali Shore, right? That it has to be a reflection, or, or no, I don't know, personally, like a reality. Yeah. Meaning you have to, it's who you are. It's not like, I want to be like that person. Correct. And the perfection is not like that person's knowing who you are. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I can't be that, but like... I can be my perfect self. Right. Right. And that type of perfection is a, is a good perfection, right? Yeah, that's so it's that's a very good point. Right. To try, if a person tries to maximize... And to be perfectionist, so to speak, in, in who they are, right? Chazal tell us that then a person can be viewed like Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Up in Shemayim, a person will be viewed like, boy, the Rambam says this, right? Up in, up in Shemayim, the Rambam writes that if, you, if a person um, maximizes on their potential and becomes who it is that they're supposed to be in life, so then... That's a, uh, you know, then that person is viewed in Shemayim like Moshe Rabbeinu, right? It's like the story with Reb Zusha, right? There's a famous story with Reb Zusha, right? He was uh, on his deathbed, he was crying, and the Hasidim said, why are you crying? You're, you're going to have a very special spot up in Gan Eden. And he said, because, you know, I'm not crying 
because they're going to ask me why I wasn't like Moshe or like David or like, he said, I'm crying because they're going to ask me why weren't you more like Zusha in your life, right? Why didn't you accomplish what you're supposed to be? So that type of perfectionism, so to speak, again, the term perfectionism can get a little tricky, but to try to be as best, to try to be a shalim, what we call a shalim, a complete person in in Avodah Hashem, that means a person who is able to maximize their themselves, yeah, their potential, what they have in their life, in their life setting, okay? Um, but you're right, once it's crossing over to, to, to viewing myself, to trying to be like somebody else, that's already, you know, that's already no good. Mm-hmm. X is on that, you know? <laughs> that's already unhealthy, right? Yeah, yeah, you know. To complete your mission. To complete your mission? It's for another mission in this one. Exactly. Some people <clears throat> got lucky to know their mission because they're dealing with the, Some people <clears throat> don't know that they do what they do and this is their mission. Right. Even without them knowing, this is their mission. With, that, that they, that they do it without them even knowing, you're saying? Yeah. yeah. For example, if someone is a teacher, is a rabbi, so he's not, he knowing a little bit his mission because... His mission now is to educate or to... Right. But some other people that have other professional, they don't know their mission, but maybe this is their mission to be what they are, and, and maybe they will never really know. Some people are lucky to know the mission on their life, where they're living. They know what they feel their mission. True. Some people don't, but this is right. their mission. Right, right, right. And that, 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 that point that this is their mission is a very, like... <laughs> you know, my Rashiva, Ravana Khlibwitzatal, he wrote a uh, he wrote an incredible thing. He said if a person wants to know their mission in life, everybody wants to know what's my mission in life, right? What's my mission? Right? Million dollar question. Right? So he said all a person really needs to do is they have to just stop and take a look at where Hashem put you in life right now. And that's your mission. In other words, just take a step like we're running around always, everybody, we're always running around looking for our mission. No, no, the mission is right. Hashem put you in the situation that you're in, in your life, in your community, with your talents, with your personality, with your family, with your neighbors, all with your job, with your thing. That's your mission. That's your mission. That means that that difficult coworker at work, yes, that's the mission. <laughs> Dealing with that difficult coworker. That means that the issues that my children are facing, that's my mission. The issue that, right, all of that is that is our mission, you know? So to try to, so like we're saying, you know, to, to, to focus on, um, you know, to try to become as best as, to try to be as best as we can, to try to do the best that we can in our mission is an amazing thing. But once a person becomes a perfectionist in every single area of life, even the things that are not so important, so then it could be coming from a place of low self-esteem, okay? Let's keep on going. So number four, problem number four, Decision-making. Okay, this is a big one. This is a big one. Decision-making. A person who lacks self-esteem, so then they deal with a lack of trust in themselves. And then they're not able to make proper decisions in life. Okay, because they don't trust themselves. Why don't they trust themselves? Because they have low self-esteem. So what happens is like this, that when this person, this person is constantly doubting themselves, constantly doubting themselves and their decisions that they make in life. And they're never really able to make proper, healthy, good, and appropriate decisions. And this is so, you know, I think, I mean, all of them are important, but like in helping our kids develop healthy self-esteem to be able 
to be able to make proper decisions in life is such an incredible thing. A person, if we're going to be going through life, especially once a person gets married, and then there's, there's, I don't want to say real decisions as opposed to kids. Kids also have real decisions in their world. These are real decisions. But there are, in, you know, in the adult world, there are decisions that have major ramifications. And we have to be able to make decisions. And we have to be able to like, sit down, you know, like you said before, with the pen and paper, pros and cons, and make the decision. So and how, go with how it. How do you lead them to the right decision? How do you, how you help them to make the right decision? And to, and to the way that they will feel that they made the right decision. I'm asking this from the point of a teacher. A okay, teacher. right. So, so I'm saying, how you lead a kid really to make the right decision? Right. Well, he chose something that is not right to do. And you want to direct them to the right decision. That, again, in your eyes, is the right decision. Maybe it, it's not even the right decision. Right. But maybe you even miss up with, with mislead them because the, you think that it's the right decision. Right. Yeah. So, but let's say that it's a, it is the right decision. Everyone agree, but how you lead them? If it's not the right decision, as you, you mislead them, it's, it's another question. That's okay. There is a, a good decision, but they don't see it. How do you lead them to this? How do you lead them to make the right decision? Yes. Okay, so this is... so Yeah, so we're going to be getting into this a little more, talking about, we're going to try to get into, I mean, it, again, if the root of the issue is low self-esteem, some people just don't make good decisions because of immaturity and what, what have you. But here tonight, if the issue is because of low self-esteem, so then, so we're going to be talking about that a little bit, how to, how to try to address it. Okay, but, let's, but let's, um, let's keep on going over here. Let's go to problem number five or issue number five, is that a person with low self-esteem can't handle others in a higher position than them. And this, this, this creates serious issues. And we're going to be talking more about this next week as far as like relationships go, getting into this topic deeper. But they can't go through life seeing that there's somebody else who has something higher than me, somebody else who got a promotion. Okay, That person is the president of the company and I'm not. The person with the low self-esteem is going to have a very hard time handling that. But that is a reality that they have to face. That is a reality. You can't, you know, you can't possibly uh, avoid that. You have to understand that person has to really appreciate that, hey, this person is higher than them, not higher in spiritually necessarily. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. But just in position in life, this person may be better off than them. This person may be more successful than them. This person may have a better position than them. And a person who has a low self-esteem is going to have a really hard time being able to, um, you know, being able to deal with that, okay? Because he, he constantly has to equate, he constantly has to equate his importance to other people. So if other people are more important than him, so then, like, what am I going to do? I don't know how to handle that. I don't know how to handle that situation, okay? Okay, and issue number six is... Oh, did I put not put it on the sheet? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I did, I did, but I skipped one. That's supposed to be number seven. Okay, new, new. You see, I'm not a perfectionist. <laughs> okay, um, no, but number six, we'll get to this in a moment, but number six is that a person, getting back to the spiritual for a moment, that a person with low self-esteem is more prone to doing a veros. A person with low self-esteem is more prone to sinning. Um, number seven, jump to number seven on your sheet on the back. Ravaran Cutler, and I'll just explain it outside in brief, but Ravaran Cutler says something so profound and so interesting. He says that there, there's a halacha, there's a, a fascinating halacha in Shulchan Aruch that, and we're not going to get into the practicals of this right now, just the concept, but the halacha is that if a person is ochel bashuk, 
If a person walks in the shuk while they're eating, okay, walks in the marketplace eating, that person is puzzle to be an aid, is invalid to be an aid. Okay, now, what is exactly does it mean to eat in the shuk? What exactly is a shuk? What exactly is eating? All of this will contact our local Orthodox rabbi, okay? <laughs> and we'll get to the posig, right? And we'll ask him. But let's but just in the interest of what's the concept? The concept is that this person is doing something that is degrading, right? By walking around, this guy's walking around in the public marketplace eating this hamburger that has like the ketchup and the mustard, you know, dripping down and the pickles falling out of the hamburger, and he's walking around eating. Come on. That's not he's, he's not acting in a respectable way towards himself, he's acting in a degrading way, that person is considered um, invalid to be an aide. Now, to be a witness in court. Now, Ravarin brings up, he says, what do you mean? He says, what do you mean? Let's read it here, number seven. He says, in truth, the entire person and his spiritual level is based upon his recognition of his value. Our rabbis have taught us that one who eats in the marketplace is invalid for testimony. And similarly, the Rambam concludes that those who are degraded are invalid for testimony. Okay? At first glance, why should he be invalid for testimony if he isn't strict about his honor? Is it not possible that nonetheless he is an individual Yerushalayim and will not lie in his testimony? Let's say he doesn't care. Okay, he doesn't care. So he eats a hamburger with the, uh, you know, with the pickles falling out. Okay? So he has no self-respect for himself, but he could be a very honest Jew. And, and he, maybe he's testifying. Honestly, listen to this. Listen to what he answers. He says, we see that since he degrades himself, it's impossible to trust him regarding the Isser of Losa'anev, not lying in court. Because the main ingredient in trusting a witness is the feeling of how could I do something so degrading like this and testify false testimony in Bastin? How could I do that? And therefore, one who degraded himself, it is impossible. It's impossible to rely on such an individual. It's impossible to rely on him because he is susceptible to lying in his testimony because he doesn't care about himself. Interesting. If a person, if a person doesn't respect themselves, okay, so then what's going to hold them back from lying? What holds a person back from lying and what holds a person back from other averos is the concept of self-respect. I'm so chashev. I'm great. I'm a great person. Hashem thinks highly of me. I could accomplish so much. So if I could accomplish so much and I'm so great and I really am so great and we're supposed to feel that, we're obligated to feel, we're obligated to feel that we're great, we're amazing. So then how can I go and do this Avera? I can't go lie in court. I can't speak Lashon Hara. I can't do this terrible thing. But if a person lacks that real value in themselves, if a person lacks that value, then they're not going to be able to truly um, you know, to, to, to be able to protect themselves from Averos. Because what do I care? Who cares? So I'll just go do more Averos. Who cares? I have no... What, what difference does it make? It makes no difference. If I do this Avera, I do this thing, I lie in court, I steal a little bit. So what? So what? I'm a lowly person. It doesn't matter. So, uh, so self-esteem is critical, critical, critical to our Ruchnius. It's absolutely critical to our ruchni is to be able to conquer, to be able to grow. 
Okay? And the last thing, the last of our issues here, as far as our self-esteem, number six, okay, number six over here, number seven, thank you. <laughs> number seven is the physical and emotional health. Dr. Tversky says, Rabbi Tversky says that with all of his work that he did on addiction, um, and he, you know, he met with several, several, several addicts over the course of time, um, over the course of his career, he said that he never found one that didn't have an issue of low self-esteem. They all suffered from low self-esteem, okay? All suffered from low self-esteem. So self-esteem has its effects on our emotions, has, has, you know, has its effects on our health, and it could be a very, self, a very serious thing. So what do we do about this? So what do we do about this? Okay, so we have not too much time, but we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about some, some tips over here. What are we supposed to do? Okay, so the first step is, the first step is that, oh, here's the sheet, right. The, the starting point of the issue is that the person really, the person feels that I'm not important. That's at the root of the issue. To work on this, they need to do things to shift their feelings that I am important. Okay, sounds pretty simple. Okay, but a person, if it's not so simple, right? Person has to do things in life to shift their feelings to recognize that they are truly important. And when it comes to our children, when it comes to our children, we have to, and this is children of all ages, okay? We have to help them feel important. We must help them feel important. It is, it is the most critical thing. It is the most critical thing to realize that they're important and to realize that they have milas, that they have great things. Rav Yerucham Levavitz said, it's actually, it's on your sheet there somewhere. Where is it? Number five, Rav Yerucham Levavitz said that, oi, woe to the person who doesn't recognize his spiritual faults because he doesn't know what to repair. But oi vavoi, super oi, right? Even more pity to the one who doesn't recognize his spiritual strengths because then he's ignorant of the tools which will allow him to work on himself in any way. If a person doesn't recognize their faults in life, that's bad because you don't know how, what areas you need to grow. But it's even worse, says Rav Yerucham, if you don't know your talents and your strengths and what you're good at. Because if you don't know, then you have no tools. You don't know what you're supposed to do, what your mission is, right? How are you supposed to know your mission if you don't think that you have any tools, right? Like we said at the beginning, right, from um, Dr. Tversky was saying this, that a person, uh, you know, a person may be very charismatic. That's a tool that Hashem gave them. That they, they need to utilize that tool. That their, their mission, part of their mission in life is to utilize that charisma to be able to, uh, to, be able to teach people, to be able to help people. If they have this low self-esteem and they don't recognize that, they're going to live throughout life and never utilize those tools. So it's incumbent upon us to help ourselves and to help our children understand, um, understand their strengths and understand uh, what, it is that, uh, what it is that they have within themselves. Number two, okay? a person needs to recognize the strengths that they that they do have. We touched on this right now. You have to recognize their strengths. Okay, we put them all together. Number three, focus on accomplishments and consistent compliments. Okay, you know, there was a, uh, you know, company GE, right? We've all heard of the company GE, right? So Jack Welch, a famous businessman. So he was working for GE and he was asked, he was given this task to sell a product. I forget exactly what the product was, but it was a new product and he didn't think it was going to be too successful. And it was a big challenge to try to sell this product. Um, and he had the sales team, but he, he had this task. He had to do it. So what did he do to motivate them? It's very interesting. He said every single time that there was any sale, anything, if they sold the product, they sold like 
you know, they, they sold $100 worth of the product, right? Now for GE, that's not a big deal, 100 bucks, right? He made a celebration. They came in the next day at work, party, party, 100 bucks. We made 100 bucks, 100 bucks, who cares? Not 100 bucks, right? They had a party. The next day, if there was another, if there was another small sale, another case, another few cases, another party, another party. And they ended up finding, he ended up finding that this drove people this drove them to more and more and more sales till they ended up selling over a billion dollars worth of this product. Because, they, because the small accomplishments and recognizing those small accomplishments made a, big, made a big difference. So when it comes to ourselves and when it comes to our children, we need to zero in on those accomplishments. Okay, we need to zero in on those. He says in this Sefer here, he quotes a Rebbe that he had in his cheder when he was a kid who said a very cute idea. There's a Pasuk in Kohelas that says, Lev chacham liamino, the heart of a wise person is to the right, v'lev ksil smolo, and the heart of a fool is to the left. Okay? What exactly Pshad is in the Pasuk, we're not going to discuss, but he quotes, the, the Rebbe used to say like this, what does it mean? The heart of a wise person is to the right, because when you open up a Sefer, and you're over here in the Sefer, the wise person looks to the right, how many pages they already did in the Sefer. Mm-hmm. Isn't that beautiful? But the the fool looks to the left. How many pages I didn't? How many pages I didn't yet accomplish? How many pages I have left? Oh, I have that many pages left. Forget about it. But the wise person is an individual looks to the right, sees how much they already accomplished. You know, a person we, we need to zero in on our accomplishments. Okay, you need to zero and help our children whenever they have any form of accomplishment. Whatever it is in the spirit, in the in the you know in the ruchnias, in their in their general studies, and whatever it may be, any accomplishment needs to be recognized. It needs to be recognized. Okay, um, and that creates that creates positive feelings. Okay, and that create those compliments build up build up their self esteem. Rabbi, I heard this morning actually at the shir we had this morning in school. So Rabbi Ephraim Palgan spoke, and he was quoting Rabbi Shaya Kohn. Uh, one of the great educators of our time in New York. And he said, Rabbi Kohn, he said like this, he said that typically parents, when it comes to parenting, the ratio of compliments versus criticism to children is that for every, for every 10 criticisms, there's one compliment. He said, we have to try to turn the tide that for every 10 compliments, there's maybe one criticism, right? Zero in, find that good Find the good that the child did. Try to set them up for good if you have to. Set them up to do good to then compliment them, whatever it is. But that compliment is so important. Yeah. Can I just throw in sure. that based upon what you're saying, though, it's just from the psychology. Like it has to, it has to be accurate. Meaning parents who compliment something that doesn't sit or resonate with the child. Right. Like, oh, you did this right. and they, like, they didn't do it. Or right. it's not something that's really reflective of what they're doing. It's actually going to decrease their self-esteem. Right. Because they know. I hear that. That makes sense. It needs to... has to be like, real. Yeah, right. It has to be real. But what is the one thing is that you give, when you give a compliment, and then they get the, they use that compliment, compliment to, you know, for their own benefit. For, for, for their own benefit? Yeah. That's good. Well, well, I don't know. What, say, what do you mean? What would be an example? I, I tell them, uh, I tell them uh, wow, you are, you are amazing, and then... Okay, and then the, you know, the asking coming, whatever they want, ah, so now you can give me this, ah, so, so I stop giving a compliment because I know that when I <laughs> give a compliment, he's going to want to take something, so I, 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 I stop giving him, giving him a compliment, 
and I feel bad with that, but what do you do in this case? I don't know. <laughs> but can't you compliment like an action? Because I think saying right. you're amazing is very like... No, I'm talking end. about the action. Right. When I compliment action. When I compliment action, right away he's, ah, so now uh, can I do this? Ah, now can I have this? You understand? So, it, can I? Yeah, yeah sure. It's always, I feel like I, I, not really in education, but in other relations that you may have, that when you feel that somebody is taking, you have to find a way for you to become the giver for him, not to give him the opportunity to be the taker, but to be the receiver, transform him into a receiver. Try to find a way that you are going to give him. Oh, that's what you want? Okay, so let's build up something together. I don't know, like, uh, mm. that, that's always a, a way to transform, like, and to be able to be the one who gives. And he becomes the receiver of that, instead of being a taker, because a taker, Oh, he feels bad about himself also. True. You know? Whereas when you receive, you feel good about it. No, but if he, 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 he want to receive it because he gives, so that's what he feels. Ah, now I give, I give, and mm. you give me the compliment, so now yeah. I can uh, jump true. on my... Uh, but why can't you say well, no? Meaning like, huh? if, if, why can't, I wouldn't say don't give the compliment. Why can't whatever he's asking say like, no, that's separate. Like, okay. Meaning you, you don't have to say yes. Okay. <laughs> you can compliment and say... Okay. This is amazing what you did. Yeah. Oh, but I want this. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Right now, like, this is, you know. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, and really with any area, any talent, anything, any, you know, a, a good thing that the child did on their own. The child took the, uh, the plate from the dinner table and put it, uh, you know, put it by the sink or whatever. That, that's, if the child, we, we have to do our best to try to be in tune to that, to give that compliment. Wow, you acted with such terror. Oh, as a teacher as well. As, when I compliment sure. my kids, and I always, always look to compliment from what yeah. they really did. So the other kids want to do it as well. Yeah. The other kids want to, for example, I'm, I'm giving something to a kid. Ta-da, ba. The kid, ooh, ta-da, kola kafati on. So then, ta-da, ba, ta-da, ba. They start to say it also. That they all and want now it. They, they, it's already engraved on them to say to that about if I ask something to do. So one started to clean around the table, around the area, and then I said, Wow, Konaka Vocha? I give the compliment. So then the other one wants also to do it. They also want the compliment. It's kids, it's very small kids. Maybe the older age it's yes. working. I don't know, but in smaller age, adults are just bigger kids. They, yeah, no, no, but they, they, every, they do it purely. Yeah, it's purely right, right. Like it's it's so right. They want it. They desperately want the compliment, and that that compliment, that recognition, yeah. allows that allows the self esteem so to build, to be built. Right. It's also right. It's also a matter of recognizing our kids' talents. You know, recognizing those, focusing on accomplishments. Also, just. It could be I didn't spell it out exactly, but recognize the talents that our children have and try to find them, okay? You know, whether it be in their academics, whether it be in their art, whether it be in their whatever it may be in sports, whatever it may be, find those talents and build on it because that's very important. Sometimes people think, you know, oh, sports, sports is ridiculous, right? What, because what's that going to do for him in life? No, 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 no. Because he, if he's good at sports, Okay, that's where he shines. The more that you complement that and build on that, the more you're building up his self-esteem. Okay, that's what's happening. It's not, yeah, we're, we're not training our kids to be professional NFL players, right? <laughs> that's not what's happening. But 
If they were, <laughs> right? When I was in kindergarten, that was my dream. I think my parents still have it somewhere, like a magnet. You know, I said, I want to be a football player. You know, but, but uh, you know, that's the, but the idea is that the more that you build on their talents that they have and the things that they're good at and the things that they enjoy, you build on it, build on it, give them compliments. The more they feel good about themselves, the more they feel confident, okay? And that builds their self-esteem, okay? Let's, let's continue over here. So now... Rav Zilberstein, there's a quote over here, I didn't put it on the sheet, but Rav Zilberstein, I'll read it like this, he says something phenomenal. He says, many of the problems that parents experience with their children result from the fact that the parents find it difficult to see the positive in their children. Most of the conversations they have with their children revolve around their critical perspective of their child, what they did wrong and what they still need to improve on. There are parents who mistakenly believe that their parental responsibilities are limited to noting their children's limitations and imperfections while the positive aspects of their children are ignored. In this manner, these children only hear about their, de- their deficiencies, and so they are actually unaware that they have positive attributes. They're unaware. They don't even know I have positive within me. This is one of the most terrible injustices that can be perpetrated against children, an injustice that results in chinuch issues that are almost impossible to repair. This is very strong words. Even when they become older, it is very difficult to tap into their positive qualities. Okay? So here from one of the Gedoli Hador, of Yitzhak Zilberstein, he's telling us we have to zero in. As parents, as educators, zero in on the positive. Zero in on the positive. Don't harp on the negative. Only, only harp on the positive. Okay, let's continue. We'll just do one or two more points here in the interest of time. But um, number five, we have to be real with the world. We have to be real with the world. And we have to train our kids to be real with the world. That means that we can't allow, a person with a low self-esteem wants to live in a, fa- in a false reality. Okay, he wants to live in a false reality that, oh, that person's really not better than me at this. No, I'm really... I, I, you know, I'm good at sports. I'm just as good as him. Wait a minute. Maybe you're not. Maybe he really is better. That's okay. It's okay for him to be better. It's okay for him to be smarter. It's okay if he's a better painter than you. It's okay if he's a better, you know, if, if he's a better lawyer than you. That's okay. It's okay if he has more money than you. Whatever it may be. A person has to be real. One of the, one of the things of, of low self-esteem that causes us to be fake, to think that the world, to think that everything, you know, is like, oh, I, really, I am just as good as that individual. I could be just as good. No. Right now, that's not the reality. This person is at a higher tier, whatever it may be. A person who comes to that reality and who can really understand that, okay, that is going to really be able to, to build their self-esteem. We often think that, think that it like knocks a person, but it, the, it, the, the opposite is true. The opposite is true. The more that a person recognizes reality, recognizes the real world, what's really happening over here, okay? Then a person will, uh, you know, that's going, to build, that's going to build their self-esteem. Rav Shlomo Freifeld, one of the great gedolim, the last generation, who founded the, um, founded the Sharyash of Yeshiva, and he was a Rosh Yeshiva, and he was Makarev, so many, so many people. Rav, Rav, uh, yeah, he said, Rav Freifeld said that he initially, when he was in Yeshiva, it was very hard for him. Because he said he was around all these geniuses, and he felt that he wasn't. And he said it was very hard. He said till one day he stopped and he had a conversation with himself. And he said he put his head into his hands and he said, you're not as smart as them. You're not as smart as them. You're not as bright as them. 
And in turn, you have to work harder to understand what's going on. And he told this to himself, and he said, at first it was very painful. But after that, he said it was the most liberating experience that he ever had, because he now was in his own, was able to view life in his own world, in his own world, from his own perspective. And that's able to build him up. I am who I am. I'm not who I am because of what somebody else is. I am who I am because this is who I am. Be happy exactly and this is a common thing kids are always doing this always and it makes sense they're always doing it looking at the other what the other one has it's a very important thing to be able for their own self-esteem for their own confidence to be able to help them understand who they are and this is who you are and it's good who you are that's a good thing this is great how HaKadosh Baruch Hu made you. This is incredible how Hashem made you. And that person, yes, that individual is smarter than you. That is true. They have a higher IQ than you do. Because that's how Hashem made them. And you are who you are. And you're not any less than them. You're not any less than them because your IQ is less. Because you have a harder time with reading. Kids, right? Kids who have a harder time have a harder time with reading, with the Kriya, with the writing, with the math, whatever it is. So now they feel the resource room. So now I feel behind. Why should you feel? Why? Why should you feel negative because of that? This is who you are. This is how Hashem made you. And that's awesome. That's a very, very critical and important thing. Okay? In the interest of time, it is getting late. We'll just focus on one of the other, one of the last points over here, um, which is number seven, which is catch your, jump to that, catch your self-esteem throughout the day. And what that means is as follows. And we'll hold it with this point. Catch your self-esteem throughout the day means that we have things going on throughout our day, through decisions that we make, things, things that are happening um, throughout our lives. And we don't even realize that they are the cause, that they're actually causing us to feel more and more low self-esteem. Okay, for example, okay, for example, um, I believe Dr. Chorsky was bringing this down. He says that if a person comes to ask for advice of me, right, and I give that advice, and then the person doesn't end up listening to me, okay, so in turn, what happens? I get angry at that individual. Now, you have to stop and ask yourself, why are you getting angry? Like, stop and ask yourself questions. Why am I getting angry right now? Well, I'm getting angry because he asked me advice and he didn't listen to me. So then ask yourself the follow-up question. So... But he, since when does he have to listen to you for your advice? He asked you advice, but he doesn't have to listen to you for your advice. It's his choice. It's his choice. So why are you angry? Well, I'm angry because if he's not listening to my advice, it must mean that, I'm not good enough. that my advice isn't good enough. Or I'm not good enough to give advice like you said. I'm not knowledgeable enough. Now, where's, and then you ask yourself, well, where is that coming from? Is that true? That's coming from low self-esteem. A person can constantly catch themselves throughout the day and remind themselves and tell themselves, no, 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 I am good enough to give advice. I could give advice if the person is fitting to give advice. If you come and ask me medical advice, I will have nothing positive to tell you, okay? <laughs> yeah, take Tylenol and uh, go to sleep, right? But, right, if the person can give advice in that area, then yeah, I'm fitting to give advice. Why are they not listening? I don't know. What, that has nothing to do with me. That has nothing to do with me. He goes even further to say that a person, I think this safer said it, the Kavadatmi said that when a person, you know, does a job in their house, a person does a paint job in, in their house, right? Oftentimes what happens is we paint the house and then when somebody, the neighbor comes in, 
The relative comes in and sees, oh, it's not so nice. Ah, I don't really like the colors. Then all of a sudden we get like all like shooken up and taken aback. What am I supposed to do with myself? I can't handle this, you know? If a person buys a new article of clothing, the first thing is what, is, what, what do other people think? What do other people think? He says we should stop ourselves and say, hey, why did I buy that clothing? I bought it because I like it. I like this article of clothing. I like that color paint on my walls. I like this piece of furniture. I bought it because I like it because I think it's good. And if a person consistently reminds themselves of that, reminds themselves, hey, I'm doing this because I think it's good. I'm doing this because I like it. That builds up their own personal sense of value, their own personal, their opinion. And then if somebody else has something to say, okay, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion. My opinion is valid. Valid. I like this, this, this article of clothing. You don't? Wonderful. Don't wear it. <laughs> right? You don't like it? You don't have to wear it. You know? Um, we'll, we'll close with the, with the following story about Rav Sternbach. I saw a quote of Rav Sternbach, one of the Gedoli Ador. He had a, uh, it, was, it said, I didn't see this inside, but it said that in the introduction to one of his farim, he, um, there was a quote from a certain Gadol who had said to him, he said to him, that there may be people who don't like the safer. You know, there may be people who don't like them. And the response, the response to them is going to be that if somebody doesn't like the safer, the response, response is that maybe the safer isn't for you. Maybe the safer isn't for you. But this safer is good for a lot of people. It's not going to be good for everybody. This article of clothing isn't going to be liked by everybody. The safer won't be good for everybody. But, but this is good. It's good. It is good. And a person needs to constantly remind themselves that the things that they have, the decisions that they've made are good. You know, and Hashem, through all of this, <laughs> through trying our best to at least, you know, at least put our, you know, to at least try to put our focus on it a little bit. And the fact that we came out to a shir to, to think about it, to talk about it, it, is in and of itself a sign that we're putting a focus on this, that we're thinking about it to help ourselves grow in our own self-esteem, to help our children grow. Rabbi Tversky writes that the greatest way for our children to grow in our self-esteem is if we grow in our self-esteem. And if we work on our self-esteem, if we try to build it up, he says it's contagious. It's just going to spill over. Self-esteem is going to be pouring everywhere. <laughs> in our houses, right? Um, and Bezaz Hashem, through that, our children will grow up, we will grow up <laughs> to live, you know, positive lives, very enhanced lives that, uh, that are very fulfilling to ultimately accomplish, like we were saying before, to accomplish our mission that, uh, that we have. So, any, any other questions? My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much again for hosting. And Mrs. Sipan put out some great spread and they can't go it can't go to waste, so everyone's got to take right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Of course. Sure. Sure.